0: All right. Welcome to the nice guy show. I'm coach Ari. I've got coach Chuck and coach Faisal with me, and I've got a really crazy topic today. Does therapy fail nice guys? And I'm a therapist saying that and a coach, but am I shooting myself in the foot by saying, does therapy fail nice guys? Uh, Should nice guys go to therapy or should they Go to the Manosphere or or find a coach. So let's start with Chuck. You're a therapist. I does am therapy, a therapist. Does therapy fail nice guys?
1: Well, I think what we we're talking about in generalizations, um, therapy therapy does fail nice guys. And, and I'll tell you why. One is that therapy is a medical model. Okay? If you go to a therapist, your therapist has to give you a mental illness diagnosis in order to get paid from the insurance company. And nice guy, the nice guy syndrome is not in the DSM, which is the manual that we basically use to look at the criteria for uh, mental illness diagnoses. And as a result of that, oftentimes nice guys feel like they, you know, well, I should go see a therapist to take care of my problem, but it's not really an illness as much as it is just a bunch of learned behaviors that have caused sort of maladaptations that aren't serving you any longer. And on the one hand, I think therapist therapy can be helpful, but I also think that you have to be really careful and find a really good therapist because most therapists out there, a aren't don't know what the nice guy syndrome is. Most therapists are coming from it, from a very feminine coming from therapy, from a very feminized perspective. And part of the issue with the nice guy syndrome is that they have a highly developed feminine side and the, and they're out of balance. They don't. And so when they go to therapy and it's coming from a very sort of nurturing feminized type of position, they don't actually get the practice that they need, which is the more masculine energy. The more, you know, the the more masculine energy that is the doing, the being, the, the achieving. And when I work with a nice guy in coaching, we don't talk about his past. You know, I do that in therapy, but we don't talk about his past. We're talking about the present and we're talking about moving him forward. And I think that's something that most men need is the ability to sort of get present and then move forward. Now, some nice guys do have mental illnesses, you know, and going to therapy to treat those particular illnesses can be very, very helpful. I spent, uh, I think, four years with a therapist. I had a great male therapist. Um, He really took me to some great places and we, we worked on some of the mental illness things that I was struggling with, and then I needed more, and that's where I got, you know, I read No More Mr. Nice Guy and, you know, started working in that area. So, yeah, I think it's it's something that can fail guys, and at least that's been my experience is, um, a lot of men that I that I see have tried therapy, and it hasn't really worked for them, and so they've ended up pointing me and working with me. Chuck, sure, so.
2: can you quickly... Can you share some of the mental illnesses? Because I'm sure, you know, our, our listeners out there will be going, you know, what kind of men- mental illnesses? And when would they know to go to a therapist? Because I'm quite intrigued with this as well.
1: Yeah, so I think the, you know, when you think of a mental illness, there's different types of illnesses, right? I mean, you can have a cold, and it, you know, it's an illness. You can uh, you can have pancreatic cancer. You, know, you can have diabetes, right? So there's a severity in different types of Illnesses. So having a mental illness isn't necessarily like, oh, you're crazy. But you know, we've all suffered from the blues. You know, feeling a bit down. We call that depression. We've all suffered from having a little bit of fear about you know having a conversation with somebody. You know, that's that's anxiety. And we've all um, maybe been a little bit of you know thought there were people talking about us. We saw two people over there that we, maybe we knew and wondered if they were talking about us. That's paranoia. You know, maybe you've been in a crowd of people and you thought you heard somebody shout your name, you know, that's called a hallucination. So we all have these things. It's just that when those things start to overtake your life to a point where, you know, you're having a hard time, maybe, you know, doing a good job at work, being with your family, being, Uh, being present in society. So it's when those things, when the symptoms of those things become so great that you're not able to function in life, that they become an illness and an illness is a little bit different than a disease. A disease is something that the doctors cure. An illness is something that the doctors treat. So when you go to therapy, you know, or working on illnesses, it's something that you treat the symptoms. So for example, a cold, okay. A cold, you take cold medicine. It doesn't get rid of your cold. It just treats the symptoms. And that's essentially what therapy does is it helps you treat the symptoms of something that's going on in your life. And, and the more tools you have. So let's take depression, for example. I think a lot of men struggle with depression. That is something that you need tools to be able to work with. You know, you need to you need to have, you know, treatment of that. In the studies that have been shown, it's somebody with an illness, let's say depression, 50% of the people who take medication get better. 50% of the people who just do therapy get better. But if you take a combination of medication and therapy, then the increase goes to about 85% which is why if you're suffering from a mental illness like depression and anxiety, uh, schizophrenia, something along those lines, you need to see a psychiatrist who can assess you and help get your uh, brain chemistry back online. Um, so some, I, I, some, some illnesses, the smaller Ill- illness like a cold would be an adjustment disorder. That would be something like you just, Went through a divorce. Okay, you're you're readjusting. One of the things I think a lot of guys struggle with is something called dysthymia, which is a no high and low. It's just kind of like this midline. It, you know, it's kind of a like a low level depression with no highs, no lows, and and they just kind of go through life. You know, it's the quiet desperation kind of thing. So, so I think those would be, would be reasons why I think a therapy would be great. But if you're just working on your nice guy stuff.
0: Yeah, you're talking about tr- treating symptoms. Yeah, I think. And, and I think you're you're saying that therapy is maybe the best choice to treat symptoms if someone is in real distress. Exactly. Yeah. But if you if you want personality transformation, Mm. Right. Then something like coaching might be uh a better option. Uh exactly. Yeah, Faisal, what do you think? Does therapy fail nice guys?
2: I think um so my experience with therapy, receiving therapy myself, and also you know, helping and seeing other guys as a coach, to me, therapy is like salt. You've gotta have the right amount. If it's too little, then it, you know it's bland. And if it's too much, it's, un- it's you know, unconsumable. And therapy, for for example, coaching is what takes you there. Therapy sometimes you need to shed a lot of things that are, are holding you back. So, for example, there might be, especially for nice guys, as you sit- mentioned, Chuck. They're more in their feminine. They're more in their emotional center. And what happens is when somebody's more in the emotional center and they go to something like coaching, it can be a little bit too hard for them. What therapy I found is it's a great place for them to start. It's a great starting place. And it's a great place for them to pace themselves, get connected, start working on a, uh, it's a very soft approach. And sometimes a lot of men need, nice guys need this because it's not very jarring to them. And what happens is when they start feeling a lot more comfortable, analyzing their emotions seeing about you know what's going on being more introspective then i think this is where they need to move away from therapy because too much therapy like uh, uh, i was li- reading a little bit about therapy therapy is very much it was designed very much for women and it was very uh, femi- feminized kind of approach to you know reducing our uh, you know stresses in life and problems in our life And if you have too much therapy, if if a man does spend time too much talking, too much in this feminine, his cortisol level goes up. And this is why we need coaching, where coaching then starts to put the person, puts the man into action. And this is where I really benefited because I had a uh, coach, he was also a psychologist and a therapist. And what he did was he was able to balance between what I needed, how I started off was more therapy, then it got to more towards coaching, which was more drive, looking at where we are now, where I wanna go forward. And it was very much masculine task-based, action-based oriented. And that helped me to stabilize myself more. But I know guys who've been in therapy uh, for like 20 years, and they're just stuck in this loop of just emotionally vomiting nonstop and this victim mentality. There's something wrong with me, I need to go therapy, there's a problem, I need to go in therapy. So I think therapy,
0: if you're stuck in it, will keep you into the victim mindset. Yeah, it's interesting, because I think both both of you have talked about um, therapy as maybe uh, a first step, almost like uh, an undergraduate degree, <laughs> and then you move on to the coaching grad school. Um, and you, you brought up the point, Faisal, about, yeah, some people can can do therapy for 20 years. And, and that was literally me. I, I did psychoanalysis. I started when I was 11 wow. and, uh, cause I was, I was a depressed kid. And, uh, then I, I stayed in it and throughout my teenage years and my college years into grad school. And it, it was hard to imagine stopping it. You know, that I was telling Chuck earlier there, there's like an inertia that can come with therapy, you know. It, it can be extremely open ended, um, and even you know, especially for people who do psychoanalysis, there there is this this idea about being a lifer, and mm-hmm. and, and it's almost joked about. But but I think I think there's some problematic things about it because um, it's not teaching people to be independent. It's not p- teaching people mm-hmm. the the skills. I'm generalizing, obviously. To but the the skills to to be their own therapist, mm-hmm. um, or as Chuck said, to to you know, he he, he tells his clients, "I want to I want to put myself out of business."
1: Um, yeah, I'm trying to work my way out of a job here. You know that my my goal with everybody. When they come in to see me for therapy, and it's the same thing, uh, you know, I'll use this with coaching as well, but my job is to work myself out of a job. I don't want you here forever. I want you to become your own therapist and um, that this, this relationship is going to end because there's something very lucrative for the therapist about keeping your client in therapy because you get paid, you know, and you don't have to go out and do a lot of marketing of yourself. You know, you just have these clients that've been with for years after years. And, it, and I think the inertia not only happens with the client, Ari, but it happens with the therapist. The therapist I was say
2: that as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, because it's therapist familiarity, isn't soft. Me? Yeah, he's just you know. How does that make you feel? So, oh, I feel like this. Woman. Okay. Well, you know, tell me about your mother. <laughs> And, you know, these are, these are jokes, you know, how does it make you feel or tell me about your mother? Those are kind of jokes, but they're, they're jokes because that's the inertia. And again, I, I love therapy. I, therapy saved my life. Okay. I'm not dissing therapy at all, but I am saying that it can fail nice guys because nice guys Need more direction. Here's what therapy does. Okay. So, therapy is you have, you have an issue. So, you have this illness, depression, anxiety, something like that. And the therapist wants to go back and find out where the trauma is. Where was the breaking in your psyche that caused this illness to happen? And then, then we're going to go back and we're going to treat that trauma so that you don't have the intense feelings that you have today. And so you have to, the the therapist coming from an assumption that there's some trauma in your past that's causing you to have the feelings today. And you haven't been able to work through that trauma. So it's a little bit like chasing a ghost and trying to get this, you know, move the ghost from over to the great beyond. And It's always
0: about ghosts with you. I know. I know. <laughs> you love the. <laughs> I love a good ghost you, story.
1: Yeah, I think you dated a few as well. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> I'm always getting ghosted.
2: <laughs> Chuck, you made a really good point uh, about you know like going back in the past, and sometimes I, you know, I believe that we also have like wiring and DNA and and, and our system are like our software, and we can't fix everything in our software as well. And then going back and trying to figure out every single thing. It might not just be everything in our childhood, but there might be some things in our blueprint, our own makeup of that. And I think this is where therapy can get really stuck, and it can really keep nice guys. And I believe that therapy great, it's great to have that emotional connection. I had a, I had a client, and sometimes I can gauge when they've been overwhelmed, they need, you know they need some connection time, they just need to vent and, and release that. And I've done sessions where I've said nothing for about 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and just let them speak, and they feel all relaxed. It's like uh, having a sparkling water or something, and it's like you shaking it, your pressure builds up, and then it's like ease. I also believe that therapy doesn't help nice guys because it doesn't initiate them. Mm -hmm. And that's a big problem. It it keeps them into boy psychology because we need initiation. We need to transcend from the boy to a man. And the only way we can do that is being pushed, challenged, pulled. And, you know, challenge is the main one. And I believe that what therapy didn't do enough for me was challenge me and say, right, you need Mm -hmm. to stop fucking about. You need to stop dicking about and get this sorted out. I needed that both push, you know, like hard push, but also that love. And that's what was I found that a lot of guys miss
0: when they do therapy yeah I, I, I think um when i when I look back on all the therapy i had there wasn't a discussion about masculinity mm-hmm. and what it you know what it means to be a man and i mean and i and I had male therapists most of the time too but but I think that that's what you're getting at is uh gi- giving men a blueprint for mm-hmm. A positive masculinity,
2: yeah. And they gave they gave more of the the feminine narrative. And I and you hear this a lot. I you know I see this on Facebook. I put a post up a few months ago, and it says, "Oh, and, the, and women were getting really angry at me because I was saying that men don't need vulnerability like twenty four hours. You know, let him be vulnerable and he'll be fixed. That's not how we're going to fix men. Men need guidance, support, modeling." And, and a path and a blueprint. And for them, strong men to help them take them there, guide them there, just being vulnerable and talking about it will probably make women feel really good, but it doesn't necessarily make men feel good in the long term. It might do in the short term, but for as a long term, it didn't make me feel good. And that's the same thing I experienced with my clients as well. When they've been in, in therapy for a long time, they felt good in the short moment, but they still felt like, there's something missing there's something missing about me being a man, and I need something more and Instinctively, there was a deep hunger inside it, and when they were challenged and pushed and they felt that they felt more connected to themselves and I think this mm-hmm. is what therapy can can miss out on if the guy isn't trained about men masculinity, and the nice guy syndrome well, the cup to
1: to kind of piggyback on that faisal so if you if you take this model where you have the theory is there's a trauma. The trauma was caused by somebody. Let's go back and find the trauma. And then we'll say, Oh, this trauma was caused by your mom. Right. Now let's be vulnerable around that trauma. And what happens there is then it drops you into the victim state. Right. Mm -hmm. So the vulnerability piece of it, or vulnerability is good and healthy. Vulnerability that keeps you stuck in a victim state is not good and healthy and when you get stuck in a victim state that's where it's really lucrative for the therapist because you're continuously being a victim and i think that's the the feminized piece of it is that again you know if you're looking at the the masculine feminine energy the lower feminine part one of the symptoms in there is that victimization so it keeps keeps us stuck and that's part of the problem with the nice guys is is that they're in that lower quadrant of of um, lower feminine, so they're passive aggressive, they're victimized, they you know they get hurt easily, all of those symptoms that we've talked about before. That keeps you stuck in that lower feminine, which is why, again, great for the therapist because the therapist just keeps charging money to your insurance company and, and to you, but the person never really learns to pull out of the victim state into higher state of, you know, um, and especially for guys, you know, they don't learn how to get out of the the lower feminine and up into the higher masculine. They just yeah can get stuck Stay down there. there.
2: Yeah. Did, yeah. did that happen to any of you guys? I mean, uh, I experienced it after my divorce. I, when I was going through my divorce, it was shattering for me. And I remember, uh, having kind of like therapy but I also loved the the therapy or the attention that the women gave me and it was a space for me just to sit there and just talk about my emotions she was loving it I was loving it and we were just in this endless spiral of just talking about it talking about it talking about it <laughs> I remember when I got into a relationship and um uh my girlfriend at that time and she was a little bit more hard kind of like headed and I I I you know I I used I used to love talking about my problems and I've gone through a divorce, poor me, and look, I nearly lost the house and I, my kids moved away. And she went, Oh, poor you. <laughs> and I just looked at her and thought, What? Where's the sympathy? Where is the emotions there? And she said, Well, what are you gonna do about it? And this was and your was therapist? Just, no, no, this is this was my this is a girl I was dating. Oh, a girl. And okay. she said, Yeah, and she was just saying well, you just keep talking about it, talking about it. And the problem is that she goes, but what are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. And that, that was a kick. And I was like, okay, I I need to stop talking about it and now take action. She was like, boo, hoo hoo!" she goes? Yeah. You're looking for sympathy and you're looking for all that connection and empathy. And she said, I'm not your mother. I'm not your mother. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not your mother. I'm not your therapist. Yeah. You're a man. You're an Mm -hmm. adult. And And I, you know, I completely hated that. At that moment, I hated that. I got really, but her, I got really sensitive about it. And that's exactly the reason why I needed to do the men's work. That's why I got a coach. And he, and he was very, I had some coaches who were very brutal. And they said, we are going to be really brutal with you because at some point you really need to pull yourself out of that poor Faisal. I've Mm -hmm. been victimized and I'm done. And he goes, you need to really and they said things that i was very sensitive to you know like, you need to man up i was like you can't say that because <laughs> oh what's the matter why why do you find that difficult so and again it was a great process to say look i'm going to throw everything at you and and it's about building that resilience if i say man up if i try to you know hit your frame it's building that resilience so you can take that and this is what therapy really takes where robs men of that uh, that resilience part
1: I had the good fortune of having a a, a really good male therapist. And um, he, he did talk a lot about masculinity with me, which is why I think part of my framework in doing therapy is highly um, influenced by the therapy that I had. And, you know, one of the things that he mentioned was that he went to, you know, the, his, his graduate work was at a university where essentially there was a high level of feminism and he would, you know, kind of get, what's the, word you know, he would, he would kind of get like picked on a little bit because he was the only man in the classroom. You know, somebody was like, Oh, well, what's the masculine perspective on this kind of thing. and, and, And it was almost like this shaming thing about being a mask, being masculine. So I think there's an issue in the universities where the vast majority of therapists are women. The vast majority of, of teachers that teach other therapists how to be therapists are women. And the men that are in it are highly feminized because they just take on the, okay, this is how we're supposed to do therapy. And the result of it then is you're not getting a good perspective of the masculine. I mean, you go to university, I was talking with Ari about this. You go to university, you can get a doctorate degree in feminism. You can't get even an undergraduate degree in masculinism. You know, why is that? That'd be so wrong. Patriarchy, masculine. But but isn't Um, there supposed to be equality, right? I mean, that's the whole thing, right? Well, it's selective equality. It's selective equality. (laughs) But what I'm saying is that, Oftentimes, unless you find a really good therapist, you're going to be, so as a nice guy, like I said, you're going to be influenced by that lower feminine, that victim state, which keeps you locked in therapy for years and years, or you find, and and I think the flip side of that is that a lot of coaches and a lot of men will go yeah. see a coach before they'll go see a therapist because a coach has a very sort of sports analysis, uh, analogy to it. Right. So, Oh, I'm going to go get coached. You know, I had a football coach, so it's like, that's, I, have always had a coach. So let's have a life coach. Whereas, um, and, and it's again, big, huge generalizations. Um, there's always exceptions to the rules, but, you know, I think that one of the things that you'll find more coaches, ma- male coaches who have been trained by other male coaches, um, more than you'll See find better for the met yeah then yeah. you find women yeah you can know what you so
2: know saying. chuck chuck you uh, it just reminded me of something because you were saying that you know in therapy that you know most of the students are female the mm-hmm. teachers are female then you go in there it's everything's female so that means if you go to a couples therapist right that means men are going to be fucked you know okay. i have i have
0: yeah that's i have guys whole, who, that's a whole nother episode that's a, a whole new topic episode, right but yeah. i was Let me tell you what,
1: here's what, here's what marriage therapy is. You're in a room with uh two women that are pissed off at you.
2: (laughs) And if you're with another guy, he's another version of a female who's pissed off at men. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. But yeah, I think a lot of men go to couples therapy and they feel like, at least, I don't know. I know you guys have all been in couples therapy and I was in couples therapy where it's like, okay, if we can just fix the man, then everything will be okay if we can just right. get you to be more of a feminine in your, you know, that you're vulnerable and that you're all of these things. And I'm not saying those things are bad, but I am saying that it becomes sort of like the fixated idea. Uh, it, it, marriage therapy isn't necessarily about creating balance in the relationship. It should be, but it oftentimes becomes easier for the therapist essentially to align with the, the, the woman who is saying if i could just get him to change then everything would be okay and it dresses.
2: it's more about the feelings right it's more about addressing the feelings than actual the whole the system
1: behind it it's more about right.
2: how is that how you feel okay that's not right
1: well if you can understand her feelings then you will see why she's being hurt and you'll stop hurting her that's the idea right so the the idea is to change the behavior but we're saying that your behavior is wrong in the first place. Well, it's a two-way street. You know, both people need to look at their own behavior and how they contribute to and how they've co-created a relationship. So anyway. One of the... (laughs) Obviously, I have some feelings.
0: (laughs) I think that that deserves its own episode. (laughs) Uh, Faisal was bringing up another point, you know, in how his girlfriend Mm. reacted to him you know, about, like, you, you need to man up. Um, what you weren't getting from therapy was instruction in uh, what Growing most, balls. most women are, <laughs> are looking for in a relationship, you know, in terms of understanding the masculine-feminine energies and polarity. You know, so th- this is something that you're almost never going to get in conventional therapy, is an understanding of... Uh, Polarity and what creates chemistry in a relationship, yeah, Uh, yeah. and what what maintains it. Um, Who's ever talked about chemistry with their therapist, other than saying, "Oh, I think we have good chemistry," Um, but the the ingredients to it, it's never talked about.
2: No, it's not talked about about that. And also, you you know, um, it was reminding me of when having. Being in a situation where, you know, know, my ex, she said to me, you know, you need to man up. You need to be much tougher and stronger. And I remember that anything strong in those points used to really intimidate me. So strong, independent women used to intimidate me. Strong men used to intimidate me. I was really threatened and intimidated by this. And the good thing about coaching, the journey I've been on, I see a lot of guys who go through it. By the end of the journey, I mean, you're not 100% fixed. There's always going to be ongoing issues, but you get to a tipping point, And that tipping point is you're comfortable in your own skin. You're more confident. And I remember uh, I met this woman uh, not long ago, and she was really intimidating. She was really ballsy, and she said something uh, that really threw me off my frame for a second. And had that not done the masculine work, I would have gone into a spiral gone into my shell, but whereas I was able to, threw me off because I wasn't expecting it. Then I regained my composure and came back and I was able to hold myself. And this is the amazing transformation of doing the men's work is you grow some fucking balls. That's the most beautiful thing about it. And women appreciate that. That's what women want because they keep on saying, I want a real man. And that's what they mean. Is a real man who's matured. He's initiated from boy to man and he can handle himself.
0: So when we're talking about nice guys, that that is generally what they need. They, they need that initiation. They need that, that blueprint. Yeah, make. didn't we all need that? I mean, didn't you guys
2: feel like you needed that push and drive and that blueprint? Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I think it's been in many ways my life's, work and in life and in, in drive, you know, that I've always been seeking to learn more about the masculine because again, like parents, God bless them. I didn't grow up feeling very masculine, mm-hmm. you know, and nope. it was why I joined the military when I was 18 years old was I wanted to, you know, be around men and I wanted to find out what masculinity was and I wanted more discipline in my life. You know, and, and that's been kind of a quest for myself is to how do I get, you know, I have this highly feminized side from growing up in uh, a household with, you know, fairly dominated by women and, and feminine energy. Now I want more of the masculine, you know, and so my drive towards, you know, even my, um, you know, my thesis that I did was on male rights of passage, because, I wanted to know more about masculinity, which, by the way, I almost got kicked out of grad school for being too assertive. Um, so,
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we, we never talk about discipline and therapy. No. How dare you?
2: Yeah. How dare you talk about anything that's the virtues of masculine and strength? And, mm-hmm. you know, we will need them when it's, you know, when chaos hits you know we need those providers those protectors but uh, as you was talking there chuck it was i was thinking about you know how we men need other men to you know iron sharpens iron and how we can you know learn through other men through modeling through that so if you're going to a therapist and therapist isn't talking about hey listen we're going to do some discipline routines workout do combat sport All you're going to go is get more feminine through osmosis, and that's going to keep you in your feminine, cultivate more of your feminine side. So again, I believe a good balance therapy is like salt. Too little, it's tasteless. Too much, it's unedible, and that's
0: with therapy as well. All right, so um, what are the take-homes for the listeners? Uh, What should they be looking for? What questions should they be asking themselves? I think part of what you want
1: to ask yourself or what you want to look for in yourself is, am I, what am I, what am I actually looking for? And again, this is the basic question that we ask nice guys all the time and they have a difficult time answering. So like, what do you want? what is the, what is the transformation that you're looking for? You know, what are you, where are the points of your suffering? You know, if you're depressed, you know, go see a therapist. A lot of times, I'll get guys who come in uh, and want my coaching services, and it's clear that they're depressed or highly anxious or something along those lines. I'll send them to a therapist in their local area because I'm not going to treat you from a therapist perspective um, when you're outside of my licensing. But with coaching, it's forward thinking. It's those you know. It, it's and and so if you want more masculine. Um, energy in your life, what I would say is go find a coach. If you are looking for something that's trying to treat symptoms of depression, anxiety, um, systemic, um, you know, anxiousness, all of those kind of things, then yeah, go see a therapist. And a therapist can be extremely helpful in those areas. But if you want more masculine energy, that's where I would say, go see a nice guy coach. Yeah, yeah,
2: I love that as well. And my tip would be, you know, find somebody, you know, what you wanna achieve, find somebody who's already achieved that or who's doing that really well. Uh, And then find someone of excellence. So for example, you know, I teach about, you know, I help single nice guys, you know, be more charismatic, be more confident uh, with women on dates, and after, and it's one of those things that I've been through the experience. I've got the evidence of that. So find somebody who has achieved something in your area that you want to really excel at and master. Is it might be you want to master your you know fitness or fit, you know fitness. So find somebody a personal trainer who's really good at that. If you want to master more of the, if you're married and you want to you know improve your relationship, you know find somebody uh, coach who specializes in that. If you're single, spe- come and see me, <laughs> right? But find somebody who is a specialist who've also done that path, walked the path. Mm-hmm.
0: I really like that. I, I, I think one of the take-homes is if you're looking for help, period, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you want to get clear on what you need or, or what you want, so, mm-hmm. and even doing that is is growth. <laughs> And so, you know, you want to interview your, the prospective providers, whether they're therapists or coaches, mm-hmm. you know, figure out, do, do I really need a man's perspective? And I think if, if you're a nice guy, uh, that's, that's critical that this type of uh, journey through the nice guy syndrome, I think re- requires other men. So I think that's part of it um but especially as as you listen to this episode um you know think about does, does this sound good what we're describing um and if if you've had therapy before maybe this clarifies to you what might be missing in terms of bre- breaking through some of your nice guy patterns mm-hmm. so d- do your homework do your research and uh and consider whether you need some of these these masculine uh, the masculine blueprint that we're talking about. Uh, so thanks everybody. this has been a good talk and we'll get into to more next time. Okay. Thanks guys. Thank you guys.
1: You've been listening to the Nice Guide Show, the podcast that helps nice guys move past their insecurities and fears into the fullness of their masculine strength and confidence. Be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and check out the website niceguyshow.com for more information on how to connect with Chuck and Faisal. Until next time, keep living your best life.